Hi. Everything's fine. Everything's fine. Everything's fine. Everything is fine. Hey, everybody. Everything's fine. Hey, everything's fine. Relax. Everything is just fine. Welcome back to another episode of Everything's Fine. I am your host. Kyle Pagan, joined as always by Mark Henry. It's a beautiful Friday morning right now. The Cowboys are in the rear view. We're on to Kansas City. Overreaction Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, whatever. That's all thrown out the window. We flush it? Flush it. We're not looking We're at it. it. We're not looking at it. We're flushing it, even though gastroenterologists would tell you that you should always look at it before you flush. There might be some blood in your stool. Your stool might be a different color. Who knows? Get uh, your prostate checked. Mm-hmm. And talk to your doctors if you're over 45. Um, <laughs> we have Deebs Dives, Mr. Crockpot. He's from the, the Painted Lines coming on later in the show to talk about the Eagles. And we get a little bit of a, uh, of a of a Sixers conversation because he was a big Ben Simmons guy, defending him for a long time like a lot of us did. And he just kind of feels, kind of feels hurt by the whole situation. But I want to talk about that whole situation first with Joel Embiid and today – we finally kind of broke his silence. They kind of already broke his silence on media day with the whole videos and whatnot. That kind of ran wild. I was one of them. I clipped it right before he he said anything else after videos. I understand how to get the likes. I understand how to get the retweets. Sorry. I'm just trying to build a brand. My fault. But today, Kyle Newbeck tweeted out, and he, he was good with it. He knows that people have been burnt in the past. He said, Embiid on Ben, and the next word was partial. So he knew this was a partial quote coming from him. This is what he read if you didn't see it. He said, our teams have always been, this is Embiid, our teams have always been built around his needs, his needs being Ben. So it's just kind of surprising to see, even going back to the reason we signed Al, we got rid of Jimmy, which I still think was a mistake, just to make sure he needed the ball in his hands. Now, Mark, when you hear that, what comes to mind first? He's right about Jimmy. He's 100 right. What, what's your rebuttal? Do you remember when Jimmy went on JJ Reddick's podcast and was like, I don't know who's running the show over there. I don't know what's going on. They wanted to control me was the thing. I, I don't doubt it was it's I always thought the, the Jimmy thing was really funny because when he first got there, him and Ben were like this. Remember the whole headband thing? Uh, it was like, who would wear the headband? Or they both wore headbands and stuff. And then the uh, this could be the NBA's fault, too, because the NBA outlawed those headbands. Um and then over time, over the season, you know, Jimmy hits a couple of game winners, and all of a sudden, him and Joel start to become buddies. And it kind of goes to the wayside that Ben Simmons and him aren't as close anymore. So, you know, though I agree that, like, if the organization wanted to keep Jimmy, they could have kept Jimmy. But I do think you're right, or Embiid's right, where it was like, yeah, they did play into, um, they did, they did play into. Ben Simmons because he did want the ball in his hands. That's just what what I remember from the JJ Reddick podcast. Yeah. So by the way, I'm not going to sit here and act like Jimmy Butler is a model professional and act like Jimmy true. Butler has handled things 100% correctly. And that even I'm not even going to tell you that Jimmy Butler was a perfect fit with Joel Embiid or a perfect fit with Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. The guy got here and started to refuse to shoot three pointers, and since then has continued to refuse to shoot three-pointers in Jimmy Butler. That's a guy who in his Chicago days was a very good three-point shooter at a higher volume in a league where less three-pointers were shot. So it really didn't make much sense where he came to a team that traded for him in a big part because of his shooting. 
and he stopped. So, Is that a thing? Not, I don't even remember that. Uh, yeah, it absolutely was a thing. People don't <laughs> remember. People don't remember little things like him dropping off from like four threes per game to two threes per game. But in an offense with Ben Simmons, it means a lot. And uh, it was never a perfect fit. And having said all of that, having said all of that, we went seven games and we went to a quad bounce with Kawhi Leonard and the eventual champions. And we lost because Greg Monroe and Boban Marjanovic were minus a million. And I've said, I know I've said that a million times, but I think it's important to be said that with everything that's happened, with everything we fucked up, with every decision that we made that went wrong, we were still the one seed this year and went seven games with the Hawks and it was brutal, but we lost. We were still the, you know, the team that took the champions seven games a couple of years ago. And we lost, but it was a quad bounce, and uh, you can blame some extenuating circumstances. You can blame Brett Brown. Uh, but just just to kind of go back to the Jimmy thing a little bit, we could have placated to Jimmy, and maybe that doesn't even mean trading Ben. Maybe you know, maybe Ben pulls this a couple years ago, and maybe he starts asking for a trade or whatever that is. But you fire Brett probably if you bring in a GM that Jimmy handpicks, which why not let him pick a GM? I mean, at that point. Because we he was in the future, though. You don't let that guy pick the GM out of having Ben but, Simmons and Joel Embiid. But if – I have a feeling – and this is going to – you can clip this. Uh, this is – this actually, don't clip it. But I'm going to clip it. Yeah, sure. Joel Embiid has had bad luck with friends. Every friend he has moves on. Every friend he has gets <laughs> traded or released. Justin Anderson, all Robert Covington, Nerlens Noel, all these guys who he allegedly is hanging out with outside of basketball and going out with. Josh Richardson was another one after Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler, he seemed like he got really close to. I think Joel Embiid just wanted a friend here. So I think if Jimmy Butler wanted a GM, he could. He, Jimmy Butler would have just went to Joel and been like, "Hey, Joel, go tell them that you want this guy." And Joel would be like, okay as long as my friend Jimmy stays here. Uh, that's a terrible accent, but I, I, uh, I think that Joel, fine, and Joel finally that time picked a best friend that was good at basketball. So that was a good that was a good step for Joel to to you know be close with Jimmy. It's really a shame how it played out. I mean, it's it's pretty crazy that. You know, because Tobias Harris was the model professional, we brought him back even though we were overpaying him instead of even offering Jimmy Butler the full max, allegedly. Who knows? It's such a mess, but... It is I, it's a mess, and it's such a it's such a catch twenty two because, like, hindsight's so twenty twenty. Whereas, like, does this team... Like, this team just had a number one overall seed, like you said. Like, it's not like we just... We torpedoed and we went to, like, the, the seller of the Eastern Conference. Like, we still were one of the best teams in the NBA. And I know people love doing this revisionist history and stuff. And, you know, you play that clip of Joel, uh, of, uh, of Jimmy Butler being mic'd up and it's going to get you 50 retweets and a thousand likes and everything. And that's what everyone's been playing for the rest of the day. But I don't know, maybe Jimmy Butler doesn't fit in this team. And like you said, maybe, ben, maybe Ben requests a trade. Like when you have two stars and like you, you can't understand that like Ben's going to request a trade two years later. Like you, are you going to upset the guy who you, who in Ben Simmons, who you still think is going to become an offensive juggernaut who was still at that time getting compared to LeBron James looking back on that? Obviously that was insane. Like, do you, or do you hope that, you know, Joel Embiid stays healthy? Um, you hope he develops in an MVP candidate, but maybe he doesn't like, I, I don't see, like, I, I understand why Jimmy was the one that had to go. And I didn't think I was going to be saying that an hour ago. I guess that's Joel's point, though. 
I mean, you, we just said, if you still think Ben is this, if we still thought Ben was this, I guess Joel's point was we built everything off of this belief in what Ben Simmons was. And maybe Jimmy Butler was the first person you realized that, you know, Ben wasn't that guy. And that kind of pains me to say, because at the, at the time, this is not me. I was fine moving on from Jimmy and I was fine siding yeah. with Ben. But ideally, we all wanted to hashtag run it back. James Ennis was posting the Instagrams with the hashtag. I mean, Mike Scott was all all aboard on the run it back. We all wanted He's to run so, it back. Mike Scott just wanted a contract, man. He's, I know, was, yeah, that's fair. That guy was a cockroach that couldn't die. Like every every trade season, every trade uh, deadline came around. It's like, <laughs> this is the time they finally move Mike Scott. It's like, nope, he's here the next day. It was crazy. But we all wanted to run it back. I was fine running it back with Jimmy Butler, with Tobias Harris, with – Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid, and I think that team would have won a championship. I, I truly, wholeheartedly, one thousand percent believe that. Whether that be, you know, if you put a better backup center behind them in the year they went to Toronto, whether it be the next year, uh, I mean, I don't think the Lakers were some unbeatable force that year, where their third best player was Danny Green, and then what or would it have been this year uh, when obviously we were already the one seed, and it seemed like there was a pretty open path to competing for a title this year, as sad as it is to look back on. So yeah, you know, maybe we did make the wrong decision. A lot of hindsight is 2020. Maybe we should have traded for a Kawhi Leonard for a year long rental instead of Toronto that year. Who knows? It's all hard. Or to maybe, say. or all... maybe Jimmy Butler goes up five on five with the third stringers and all and torpedoes this team. Like you know, that would have been yeah. awesome too. Yeah. I mean, no matter what, Jimmy Butler would have been probably better content. Than what we've got in the last. No matter what, Jimmy Butler would have been the main character of every story that 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 played out. Um, Yeah, man, it's Nichols' marriage. Yeah, it does. Um, It just it really sucks, man. Because like Joel has defended this guy this entire saga, and and his comment after Game Seven that that people only really saw thirty seconds of. And it was ran all around Twitter and it went absolutely viral. And people forget that the original tweet by Rich Hoffman was deleted because the context he said wasn't right and whatnot. Did he delete it an hour later before it got to NBA Twitter's hands? Yeah, like that, that sucks. But like now Ben's throwing pot shots in the media. He's using Sam Amick. He's using Windhorse. I hope Windhorse is, is, is getting paid overtime for as much water as he's carrying. He's just he's doing this in 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 the media rather than coming to Ben Simmons like a man and just and just talking about it like he's he's on Instagram trolling three thousand miles away in his in his Beverly Hills mansion on on the hills like with with Instagram stories during media day or he's Instagram storing John Wall when they're rumored in trades with them it's just it's such a bitch move on Ben Simmons's part to, to just do all this. And and now I love Embiid and everyone's going to say the same thing where it's like, you just love Embiid just having enough and being like, fuck this. I'll, I'll say my piece now. Are you fat shaming Brian Windhorst for carrying water? I mean, is it like a, is it like a, a Kobayashi Joey Chestnut situation where he's dipping in hot dogs in water and that's why he's carrying the water? Uh, he's from, carrying from the Ben Simmons. I just hope that Brian Windhorst's heart doesn't give out while he's carrying so much water. I'll never forget the the day after the decision, Brian Windhorst was on camera and he must have thought he was only going to be on camera from the waist up because he had a, a suit jacket, a shirt and a tie on and then the bluest blue jeans <laughs> of all time. Like like you would have thought he was going to go paint a fucking house after he did this segment talking about LeBron going to Miami. I, I'll never forget it as long as I live. It was 
it was a decade ago at this point. My, I, I, it's still my number one thought about Brian Windhorst. My Brian Windhorst is him on the steps of uh, of American Airlines Arena, just like looking like he's like taking his high school picture. Or Brian Windhorst at the Akron, uh, whatever. Let's call it the Akron Herald. Um, and his he has some chompers that uh, he definitely owes LeBron James for for the for the dental work that he got because the Brian Windhorst chompers from back in the day at the Akron Herald. Uh, it's a it's a tough look. Um, I, uh... Uh, just going back to Joel comments, I'm kind of a lot of minds about this. I'm so conflicted about it. Just like I am with this entire saga, I guess it's not good. There's no positives of it. No help us. This is what Ben wants though. I think this is what Ben, I I hope wanted. I I don't know. It's, it's like, I think think he, he, he wants to make this messy. The messier it gets, the more the league's going to step in, or the messier it gets, the uh, Daryl one day is going to wake up and throw his hands up, or, or Doc's going to run into his office and be like, "Hey, listen, man, we can't do this anymore. It's 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 messing with the guys' heads. We just got to get him out of here." Like this is he best ben, ben has jumped in the mud. Ben has jumped in the mud, and now he's dragging Joel into the mud with him. You imagine this team starts out hot without Ben Simmons. It's like, oh, we got to get Ben back. Ben like somehow comes back, and then we start losing as soon as Ben comes back. And I, I don't think Ben's playing another game as a Sixer. I still don't. But I, I well, he, yeah, he liked I mean, an Instagram post today that said these are all the fines that Ben Simmons can can incur, incur, yeah, incur over the lifetime of uh, of him holding out. And he liked the he post liked so. Wow, yeah. I didn't see that. But I, I, yeah, he's just trolling I mean, from his mansion. It's 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 I, ridiculous. I, I will just say that <clears throat> Joel Embiid's comments are not entirely factual, or they're not entirely just like in good faith, in my opinion. And I actually like I hear him one. Th- I you you push back on the Jimmy thing a little bit. I actually hear him through and through on the Jimmy thing. I, I think that. Joel has full reason to have resentment, like a lot of resentment towards Ben about that with losing Jimmy. And I I guarantee you, Joel feels the same way that I feel that if Jimmy stays on this team, he's a champion and this team's, this team wins a championship. And I think Joel feels the same way. So I, I, I completely understand the resentment there to say that this team has been fully built around Ben Simmons, just in terms of piece wise. And to say that signing Al Horford was to help Ben Simmons. If that's to help Ben Simmons, then I don't know what we're talking about from a basketball sense, because that doesn't make any sense to me that signing a power forward slash center would help Ben Simmons on a team that already has a power forward in the center. So I I don't get, I get what he's saying that Al Horford can shoot. Al Horford's not like a 40% knockdown three point shooter who you're signing for shooting. We were signing him because we didn't want him to stop Joel anymore. And I guarantee you, Joel just hated the Al Horford signing because it clogged up everything for him. Joel had his worst year of his career. And somehow Joel has justified in his head that the Al Horford signing was for Ben. When really, I just think it was a stupid decision to try to like take someone that guards Joel well away so from too. Boston. I think that they literally just thought they were playing chess. Yeah. They're like, man, if we take someone from Boston, then not only are we adding someone, but we're distracting someone from our competitor. And I think they went like super hedge fund with it. Yeah. Like I, I think they just went like crazy analytic with it. And it, it was so stupid. I, I don't look at that as like a placating Ben Simmons move. And I don't think Ben Simmons and Al Horford were close friends or anything. And, and, and I get the whole notion, you know, 
oh, I was a 38% three-point shooter, and I was the worst three-point shooter in the lineup. Yeah, well, Tobias Harris barely shoots the three. Tobias Harris might as well not shoot 40% from three with the amount he refuses to shoot it from three. By the way, another guy in his career who back in L.A. with the same coach and Doc Rivers used to let it fly, used to shoot threes at a reasonable clip for a a three-point shooting forward, came to Philadelphia, refuses to shoot threes. It will forever just boggle my mind. So, And then you have Seth Curry, greatest – Joel, accurately – called him one of the greatest three-point shooters of all time. Another guy who I have screamed at my TV to shoot the ball more. He refuses to shoot threes during the regular season. We got to the playoffs. He started taking a lot more shots, and he really leveled up, and that's all we wanted to see all year long. And then, I mean, Joel Embiid is not a guy who you look at as a three-point shooter as his primary game, but really the problem was the backups. The backups like Matisse, the backups like at big. When you have those guys who can't shoot – and then you're playing Ben with those guys. That's what it means when Ben, the offense isn't suited around Ben. Now, is there going to be a team that has 10, 40% three-point shooters? No. But what you do is you don't stupidly force Ben to play with the non-three-point shooters. You you stretch out those rotations so in a way that helps your basketball team. Not only that fits around Ben Simmons more, but if it fits around Ben Simmons more, that's going to help your basketball team. So. It's not all in good faith, but I completely understand why Joel would be frustrated at this point. And why would you not be? It's every question that he has to answer right now. He just came out for the best season of his career and no one gives a shit. No one's asking him if he can win an MVP. No one's asking him if he can improve on last year. No one's asking him if he can average 30 this year or something like that, like it normally would be. Like It's just the Utah Jazz have had how many failures in the second round? They had how many? I mean, the same amount as us, if not more at this point. And they're not like, oh, we're freaking out. Something's got to change. It's all over. The era's done. The championship window's closed. No, the Salt Lake City media is asking Donovan Mitchell, like, oh, what's your favorite fucking album of the summer? Like, it's like, uh, that's just the difference of playing in Utah and, and Philadelphia. And it's like, sometimes I do wish that I rooted for a team that maybe we didn't fucking kill and we didn't draw drive to you know mayhem and driving guys out of the city and uh, it kind of well, i mean when we do ask him things then you got tobias harris talking about che- uh, mustard on a cheesesteak so yes, that's what happens that when is- you open up the questioning you know what we we just talked a lot about trading ben simmons <laughs> i think we need to open the conversation on trading tobias harris if we're putting mustard on cheesesteaks i am an anti-mustard guy in all its forms mustard is a disgusting condiment mustard is a polarizing condiment it's you're a, a mustard stuff. guy aren't you yeah i can i can eat mustard i can eat i can eat mostly anything i'm not really picky but i've got you buddies who will go i've got i got buddies i should be i should have been on a Yo. fear factor back in the day i would eat bull testicles without even I'm saying thinking, what's what's your dimensions what, what do we got going on six if five two ten you're a prospect six five two oh dude can we get you on the challenge nah bro i, I don't fill out like that i'm i'm six five two ten i'm a i'm a i'm a, I'm a dude skinny two ten Dude, you want you want to lock me in a in a in a gym? Yeah, maybe. No, we we can get you to two thirty, two twenty five. Uh, six. You got reach. You got size. We're gonna. I, I think this would be big for the brand. It'd be big for the podcast. Maybe we maybe we let you forego your skydiving loss at the end of the year if you just if you go on the. Wait, but if I get on the challenge, don't I have to be on Real World first? No, they they don't do it anymore. Real World's gone, so they they just Ooh. take like randos. They took like have you heard, have you heard of the circle? The show yes. the circle. My my friend told me to apply to that. You should have applied because <sighs> Ed from Conshohocken 
They uh, love the, yeah, they love the southeastern Philly voice. Yeah, Ed's on the challenge now from the circle all of a sudden, and he's fantastic. And he's like he's like five nine, like probably he's like jacked as shit though. Five nine two twenty. Yeah, I, I would say like five nine two ten maybe. Like I, I don't think he's two sixty or anything. Like yeah, I, you know I think it'd be big for the brand if you get on there and start like mixing it up with CT and Johnny Bananas. They're old now, too. I could probably mix it up with them now. Like back in the day, like CT carrying Wes, or was it Wes or? It was Johnny. It was Johnny. Johnny, yeah. Yeah. CT carrying Johnny. That's an all time clip. I wasn't even a big challenge guy. And, I, and that like got over to me. Um, I don't know how we landed here, but I gave you my dimensions and you went and you went pig shit wild. But, went why, did wild. I, but why did I ask for dimensions? I don't how, did know. I get, how did I get there? <laughs> we talked about we talked about mustard on a cheesesteak, trading Tobias Harris. All the way to 6'5", 210. No, nah, there was some. We're missing a bridge there. We'll go back and listen. We'll figure it out. The listeners the listeners heard it. Hopefully they remember. But uh, How I, far I, are we I, from a troll-off between Ben and Joel? Because I don't I don't think Ben wants any no, part of a troll-off with Joel. No one does. No one No one wants to, to mix it up with Joel Embiid. Uh, he can troll with the best of them. And I just think Ben wants to stay absolutely silent and eventually kind of play the victim in all of this. Like he he's not hasn't st- been silent for the last. We've got Mark. We've gotten a new report every single but day for the last week not, and a half. But it's not him speaking into a microphone or doing an. It doesn't matter. It's coming he's from eventually him camp. When's the interview with Rachel Nichols? Or actually, it won't be Rachel Nichols. It won't be Rachel Nichols anymore. It'll be Malika Andrews now. Show some respect. Oh, wow. You're right. I forgot Rachel Nichols is canceled. Malika Andrews got a fucking Instagram live interview with Kyrie Irving. I mean, we are just going. There's This season is going to be batshit crazy. Could Ben Simmons just quit basketball and make $143 million on in esports? I actually legitimately have thought about that. Is he nice? He's not nice, but he's he's in with FaZe. He's in and esports is exploding. He's got a, a, a international brand. I think he could. I mean, they're they're throwing money at everybody in esports, the big guys. Tim the Tatman just got a whole YouTube deal and whatnot. He was he was uh streaming on the ATT scoreboard at uh at at uh Dallas. Yeah, in the stadium. Yeah, the whole the whole Physique. esports the whole esports thing is so wild to me. Like it, it has literally caused like not to go full, not to talk about wrestling. It has caused like a full on meltdown within the WWE roster because WWE like doesn't want their performers on OnlyFans, which turned into if you're going to not have people allowed to do OnlyFans, then they can't do Twitch streams and they can't do Patreons and they can't do all these things because WWE doesn't want people to be able to profit off of their WWE likeness without WWE getting a cut. They used to do Playboy back in the day. That was like huge. I know. Well, WWE was the one yeah. setting that up and getting paid to do that. Playboy was paying Dude, WWE. Dory Wilson, Playboy, there was yeah. another one. She was – I remember when when her when her Playboy came out, me and my buddies sat – and this is right when like iPhones and stuff and iTouches were coming out. So like the internet was like more accessible on your phone. I forget her name, but she was big for like a hot second and around like eighth grade. So we're talking like let's say 2008, 2007. She might have been the WWE champion at the time. But we all huddled around the phone. Candace Michelle? I think you're daddy. Yes. 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 You're exactly right. Candace Michelle. Uh, her Playboy pictures came out and like just the horniest 13 year olds just sitting around a phone, just looking at all of her nudes. And you know how like back in the day when the internet would like load, it would load like one, like, uh, <laughs> like if, if it was a full picture, it'd be like one fourth 
then like another quarter and then like the half it's like we saw tits and we were like let's go and we saw like the bottom half we're like let's fucking go like we were going nuts it was like the eagles just won the super bowl i remember it it was right after like to um he got sent home from uh from the the practice for uh (laughs) for the eagles i might have my i might have my dates mixed up because that was like oh four oh five but yeah maybe it was like 12 years when i was 12 years old but it was awesome man that's so. legendary, but uh, it's it's crazy because these wrestlers are making like insane money streaming on Twitch, like, and uh, they're basically like, if if you're gonna take this away from us, then are you gonna supplement that in our contract? Like, are you gonna add that to our pay? So that's been like a whole fight, and people are going to AEW because they're basically like, yeah, we don't give a fuck. We're not a dystopian monarch company like yeah. they're, they're basically like we'll just do it it's just not just a random thought like east esports are such a crazy concept to me because i i just i can't imagine watching anyone play video games so i'm not a gamer though i'm not about that life i'm a tape dog i agree yeah right you can't play games when you're tape dog i grew up watching video games so i i i, I just i should have invented esports i liked liked watching my friends play madden overplaying it was weird <laughs> i don't know why i guess it's not weird because it's obviously a billion dollar industry yeah. um yeah man i really do think ben simmons could he might not make 143 million dollars that's an insane amount of money especially all the endorsement deals and all the tv time and stuff that he would get but like if, if he ever retired from the nba and i don't know how much ben loves basketball i don't really want to say he doesn't love basketball you don't become the number one overall pick and work on your game for 15 years you don't come from australia when you're like a 13 year old boy and, and and leave your family at home if you don't really love the game of basketball but yeah if he if he wanted to play esports he could he could make a he could make 10 million dollars a year he could make 15 maybe 20 the funny part about the ben simmons is lazy narrative and i'm i'm not saying it's wrong because he definitely didn't improve his game to a satisfactory level and he's uh, he's Honestly, I think it's between the ears, though, man. I don't think it's lazy. Yeah, I think I think his I image. I think he's a big image guy. And you also don't become the best defensive player in basketball or close Being to the best lazy. defensive player in basketball without giving 100 percent effort. Mm-hmm. It, he's not out there dogging it. You will never see Ben Simmons dog it, especially on defense. It just doesn't happen. Even on the fast break when he's playing poorly, he's out there running. It's just. Like you said, I think it's between the ears and it, that's why it's always going to be frustrating and. I've heard a lot of Ben Simmons is unrecoverable. Ben Simmons, his image is forever done. I mean, if this guy gets to Golden State, if this guy gets to a good situation, I just I can see it already. Like I can just see the the signs already. You know, Gabe Kapler's fixed elsewhere. I mean, Carson Metz looks bad, so that's that's a good sign. But I, I can just see it already. Ben, not even he might not even have to shoot somewhere. Like he he might just be able to be the same player he's been and we're going to look stupid for trading him but that's knows. on that's on maybe two out of the 30 teams though that's the only ones they can really, well I, let's I, say I, three I, lakers nets and golden state like he he's if he's the third piece i don't think he can win with a piece uh with 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 ben simmons being the second piece and i can't believe we're doing a ben simmons conversation again and i'm actually the one that's angry about it this time but i, I think you can do like i think we could have won with ben as the second piece with tobias nah. as the third well we could have we could have happened. We could have won this year. Like, if we if we did a couple things different, we we could, first half Tobias, first half of the season Tobias, and just regular season Tobias, not yeah. playoff Tobias in general. Yeah, I, I mean, like, do I think Ben Simmons could go to Chicago and kind of make that team like a five seed? Yeah, I like, I would I, go higher, maybe higher, and that's I. But like, does that mean? 
that's not me saying he can go to Chicago and win, a, win an NBA Finals, but I still think that would be a success if he took a team that has been on the outside looking in and hasn't made the playoffs in a really long time and with the same core – uh, with a team that really does fit, the only problem is Demar Derozan doesn't fit with him at all. But uh, just a team like that, like I, I think he could take a team like Sacramento if you traded him for Tyrese Halliburton and Buddy Heal, and oh, that would make me upset. But whatever, if you did that trade, I think there's a good chance Sacramento turns into a, a team that can compete compete for the playoffs in the West. And you know, is that him being a second best player on the title team? No, but I, I think that that would be really impressive and it would be make me feel a bit stupid for not you know trying to defend him while he was here at this point like right now where we're sitting right here but it's hard to defend him after that atlanta series like i'm just as broken as anyone well that's the thing i don't like and 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 now i feel like i'm just talking to you offline and not even talking to you on a podcast anymore that's the thing (laughs) i don't like that like i have and I've, i've referenced this before i have a video and it's just a video of seven minutes of people just shitting on ben simmons and then Stephen a gets applauded in this city for for saying what he said about um about how ai never won anything but he's still beloved here ai also never requested a trade with four years left on his deal ai also never um decided not to shoot in a fourth quarter also ai was the only player on his team for most of his whole career i mean he drugged that team to the 2001 finals like we don't, we never, we, we didn't want Ben Simmons back. We didn't want Ben Simmons back until we found out that we weren't getting Dame or we weren't getting Beal for him. And we now we're, didn't. huh? And no, uh, I, I still don't think they now want I him back. People, they just want to be mad at him. Yeah, I just don't understand it. Where it's like, man, Stephen A. hit the nail on the head. It's like, do you remember June? It wasn't that long ago. Like we we were vicious. Those next two weeks after, holy shit. I, and I've said it before. I would never want to come back here. And the fact that us as as fans, and I and I hate that, like I'm piling on the Philly fans. I feel like I'm just part of the national media right now. But it's like you don't want him back either. So like, why are we so pissed off about him? All these like, I don't like that he's talking bad on on Joel, a guy who's defended him. I don't like that he's you know just talking in general because it's it, he obviously knows we have the Sixers have the leg up. But it's like, don't change this narrative that we wanted him back. We never wanted him back. Like. They don't even want him back. They want him in camp so that they can showcase him and trade him. Like that's what they want. And then, and like I said on on last week, it's like we're going to mend all these fences. And then the first rumor is going to come out that we tried to put him in a in a deal for a for a Brad Beal or a Zach Levine or a or a Damian Lillard, and it's just going to go back to square one. Like, stay away. Like, have him stay away. Yeah. You know, it'll never happen. But it'd be awesome if if the reporters and I, I would never tell them to. And I would never sit here and be like, don't report on this. Like, you got to ask the question. But, like, it'd be awesome if, if the if the Philly reporters just kind of put a moratorium on Ben Simmons' questions. I agree. And I, I just – but it's not going to happen as long as Joel comes no. giving quotes like that. If Maybe if Joel, if we would have came – and that's what I'm saying, where I, I was kind of upset to see those quotes where it's like, we're only going to make this worse if we just keep talking about it. He wants to get so. him muddy. Ben Simmons wants yeah. to get him muddy, and Clutch wants Joel. to get him muddy, and I don't blame him. I don't, and and after Joel, I mean, you ask someone the same question enough times, they'll give you something. Yeah. They'll give you something uh, in a public setting. Yeah. Um, yeah if you have anything else, let's move off this. Yeah. Do you have anything else? No, no. All right. Let's get into a more fun topic. Uh, LaShawn McCoy. Oh, I completely <laughs> He's retiring at halftime. The former Kansas City Chief, the former Philadelphia Eagle. 
what retiring at halftime <laughs> means. I, I, I guess they did. Like, did they call him up last week or, or on Monday? I'm like, hey, you know, no one's really going to sign you. We've seen the news. Like, no one really is looking for you. You just want to retire as an eagle. And he's like, you know, I never really thought about that. Let's do that. So he's getting retired at halftime. What do you think the the ceremony is going to be like? Like, like uh, obviously we have the Donovan Five. We'll always love you. We got B Dog coming out of the tunnel doing the uh, doing the intro and whatnot. Like, what if what if they just take a walk down memory lane for the halftime ceremony? And they bring out I, the, they bring out like the Sean Jackson. They bring out uh, Mike Vick. They bring out Peters, which will never happen because Deshaun and Peters are playing on Sunday. But then what if they like what if they do like his five years? Like they bring out uh, Rob the server. From PYT, who he tipped twenty percent or twenty cents on on the on the bill, or they then it's like introducing the off-duty cop that he beat up at recess, and then it's like here's former DA Seth Williams. We bailed him out of jail. Here he comes, uh, and then they grab his ex-girlfriend, who was also Marcus Vick's ex-girlfriend, who allegedly he gave herpes to. She comes out, and then they get the girl that uh, he kicked out of his party bus on the New Jersey Turnpike. She comes out next. Then they get Chip Kelly to come out. Then introducing Kiko Alonso. And then uh, what else? Uh, they bring out Tony Stark or they bring out Swoop in an Iron Man outfit because he ruined, he spoiled the Avengers. And it'll be like, uh, it'll be like a small world at Disneyland. And instead of all the cultures, it'll be like the different stages of the Sean McCoy's time here in Philadelphia. I want him to come out like the Godfather from WWF. And I want him to come out on the party bus uh, maybe kick someone off the party bus. Um, uh, but yeah, uh, you know, I, I think you have some posters that you want to run through. Yeah. I mean the five years, I, I couldn't believe LaShawn McCoy was only here for five years. That was an electric five years. I mean, he had so many different just memories with the snowball. Uh, I'm pretty sure he's, he, yeah, he's the all time leading rusher. Uh, and then just all the off the field things, including, some of the best party promos these eyes have ever seen. And we're gonna and we're gonna rank our favorite party promos of LaShawn of the LaShawn McCoy era, starting with a New Year's party at your place of business. Now this one is really busy, which I, I think this this one, oh, this was 2012. So like probably second contract, almost second contract. Maybe got an extension. So, like, this was party planning LaShawn, but a young party planning LaShawn. You'll see as as the as the Flyers go, he gets better. He understands that, you know, it's too busy, minimalist. Like, minimalist design is the way to go. How would you feel having a New Year's Eve event at your at the stadium you play in, at your place of business? I like it. I also like that he didn't keep this to Philly. He made sure four different times on this poster to, to, to point out that it is a tri-state event. And I, I think that that's important. I think it's important to make sure that everyone from all three of the states feel like they're being welcomed at the, at, inclusion. At the event. Yeah, yes. no, I mean, LaShawn McCoy was way ahead of the curve on inclusion. Four, v- <laughs> four VIP lounges, two live bands, four DJs. Could you imagine sitting in the West Club in Lincoln Financial Field? I don't know where that is right now. But like you're sitting watching the game, the same place that LaShawn McCoy was having a threesome while the ball dropped. <laughs> while his balls dropped. <laughs> All right. The next one is this one is LaShawn McCoy. Ah, oh, this one is mafioso LaShawn. So this oh, one, 
This one is, it seems like he actually hired a graphic designer for this one. You can obviously see yeah, someone actually thing. went to school for graphic design. Like you got the the spades, you got the subwoofers in the back, you got LaShawn on the 25, uh, Eagles jersey, celebrity birthday, charity weekend. So, hey, we're going to get fucked up, but we're going to do it in the name of charity. It's going to be a weekend long. It looks like a Meek Mill album cover. It does. It does. Oh, also in Philadelphia, PA. So like, so people like when you RFCP, you get, you get the uh, location there. Like, so no, not any like randoms are showing up. Like this is just in Philadelphia, PA where that's for, that's for you to know down the line to be decided. You're exactly right. It's also the weekend of the 11th to the 13th. Is that the whole weekend? Mm -hmm. Are we just undecided on a night uh, is, you know, Mm -hmm. booking an issue at this point? it's like when the parents finally get a babysitter for the kid and they're like, Hey, come over. We're going to have a party 10 PM to question mark. And it's like, wow, we might go all night. We might go till 2 AM, 3 AM. Turns out you're in bed by like 12, 1230 because like you just, you, you have a screaming kid for seven days of the week and, and you just can't party like you used to. So yeah, I mean, 10, 10 PM to question mark, but this one just actually is like 9 AM July 11th to July 13th, question mark. They probably might have gone even longer. Yeah, I couldn't make it through the Big Brother finale last night. I fell asleep at 9.45 p.m. So, (laughs) Is LaShawn there on the 11th? Maybe not, but he goes the 12th and the 13th, or maybe he does the 11th, 12th, and the 13th. You know, sorry, you missed the party. Maybe maybe it's like the 11th, the night of the 11th, big party, building in the 12th as a hangover day, 13th, getting back after it. Hmm. Uh, the next one is my favorite, my personal favorite. Everyone remembers this one. The LaShawn McCoy orgy weekend. Ladies only. This was an Instagram post. So this is obviously, he's on the bills at this point. So like Instagram's bigger now. Like he doesn't have to just take these flyers and, and post them on the, uh, on the wooden poles around Philadelphia. He's on Instagram now. It gets his message out cheaper, more effectively, and more efficiently now. This one was the best. Remember, private location, females only, 21, a must. At least we're going over 21, not over 18. I mean, that's true. Let's, you know, it's really good. I've always said LaShawn McCoy is against underage drinking of any form. Um, and, I, and I also think that that light on the Bills logo is just like an interesting choice. Like, well, someone if- definitely took a picture of their laptop. I think that's what it is. Wow. Yeah. So look at that, 10 p.m. until... Like, when does it go to? Nobody knows. And uh, this was the one that obviously got deleted and uh, no one uh, and the party got uh, got canceled. But the, the best part about this was the Bills actually had to release a statement. And they were like, all they said was, yeah, we talked to LaShawn and, and told him that you can't use the Bills logo for uh, for these kind of things. <laughs> That's all they said. They didn't care that it was like females only, private location. He was obviously throwing an orgy. They're just like, hey, yeah, listen, have all the orgies well, you want. Just don't use yeah. the Bills logo. Why? Why would is is there a policy against orgies in the Bills playbook? <laughs> I mean, listen, women weaken legs, but hey, listen, and he did have hamstring injuries that did hurt him during uh, during his tenure with the Bills. Nobody circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills, and uh, it actually is kind of funny. Like you forget Lashawn McCoy, like he was pretty good for the Bills for a couple of years there. He was all right for the Bills. There was one that run. one year, that one year he Bills. was good. The the yeah. the first year we, when we. Uh, Kiko obviously tore his ACL. He had some hamstring injuries. He missed a good amount of games the first couple of years. I'm pretty sure. He was pretty good. He, he, sure. he was better than better than I remember when I was looking at it the one time. 
All right, party promo four. This one's not a good one. This one was definitely designed in in in, in Microsoft Word by uh, by LaShawn himself or one of LaShawn's buddies. Yeah, this one looks like it would say uh, eighteen to chill, twenty one to spill at the bottom. <laughs> With DJ Benja Styles, I wonder what this DJ Benja Styles one. is up to. This is the worst one, but DJ Benja Styles makes me think of. Um, John Wall was hanging around with a guy, and I can't find this anywhere, and it's the worst. I can't find. I searched all day for this to try to bring it up when you when you told me about the Sean McCoy thing, and I saw the DJ Benja Styles thing. He was hanging around with a DJ that went by the name Doctor Uggs. John Wall, <laughs> Doctor Uggs, and I thought that was the. And this was at a time where, like, you remember when John Wall was like playing poker on yes. Sports Center, and John Wall was like. Showing up to the Olympics, looking really fat and high, and taking a picture uh, in the Team USA gear. Uh, uh, you know, looking like how I always look on this podcast, no matter what, even if I uh, am completely sober. But I, he, uh, this was around the same time that he was posting Instagram stories, planning parties with a guy named Doctor Uggs, and that's always going to be, you know, just something I bring up when talking about John Wall. Uh, Mark, I just looked up DJ Benja Styles. This does not look like the kind of DJ that would be hosting a LaShawn McCoy party. Uh oh. This is DJ Benja Styles. Whoa! Party rocking DJ. Benja be bookings, Benja beats, DJs sign up for my email blast, remixes, and more. I'm in. You got DJ. DJ Benja Styles on on a boat. It looks like it's a bachelor party. You've got DJ Benja Styles outside the Surf Lodge. Probably got BJ, DJ Benja Styles with Bismarck E. R.I.P. Big time. I saw him big flags once. Big, big rooftop skyline in the background picture kind of guy. Uh, same pose for everyone. Just. DJ Benja Styles is a uh, he's he's a wedding DJ and uh, that's what it looks like and he was DJing like, with Sean McCoy's birthday. My take is he's probably an Eagles fan. Yeah, there's a Sixers post right there, and um, my take is he's probably an Eagles fan and in some capacity, Sean McCoy met him and as we have pointed out with his interaction with a waiter, um, Sean McCoy may be a cheap man in some capacities. So I have a feeling that he met a DJ who was an Eagles fan and the DJ thought it would be really cool to DJ for LaShawn McCoy. So he got a free DJ. You just playing shout. You just played shout. It's like, you got any ludicrous? It's like, no, I got the Bee Gees though. People don't Earth, like the, There was a point in LaShawn McCoy's career where he was trying to trade Conolingus for child support. Yeah, uh, I don't know if that was the the same. I, that might have been the the same girlfriend as Marcus Vick who he gave herpes to, but uh, I believe that she leaked text messages where she would text him complaining about the lack of child support payments, and he would basically be like, "Well, I I could perform cunnilingus in, <laughs> in in more uncertain terms." Maybe he has a tongue that makes the child support payments go away. I don't think she was pleased with this trade off. <laughs> from what i remember <laughs> all right we got one more 
Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> he threw a lot of parties here. This one is a welcome back LaShawn McCoy party thrown by our one and only Jason Peters and Vinnie Curry. Vinny now Curry, this big wrestling fan. I met him once. <clears throat> this at B-Side Hookah Lounge, 241 Chestnut Street, which I don't know is there anymore. I don't think it's there anymore. Uh, welcome home, LaShawn Shady McCoy. This just means he didn't travel back with the team. Which I, are you allowed to do that after a game? I thought everybody had uh, to go back. I my take is that uh, what, like what's your take on hookah lounges? I don't smoke hookah. Yeah, I don't. I don't get the whole hookah thing. I've never understood the appeal. I like this family first edition. Yeah, that's interesting. Top two, one hundred percent, is the 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 tri state event and. Um, also, the the ladies only twenty one plus alcohol. Um, I mean, having drinking. having an event where there was definitely sex going on at your place of business, that's an all time. Yeah, like people were probably hanging from the chandeliers. Fucking, if anything's like any given Sunday, which I've seen in any given Sunday, and that's what I just I just based that that all athlete parties are like that. This was a fuck fest for the ages, uh, right next to where uh, Jeffrey Lurie sits. Shocking and fucking. All right. We welcome on Chris Dibes, Mr. Crockpot from the Painted Lines to talk some Eagles, to talk some Kansas City Chiefs. Chris, welcome. Thanks for joining. I'm honored, man. Thank you. Thank you so much. Let's talk shop. Um, you know, Mark asked me to join. It's always an honor. I'm I'm just honored. Uh, the pleasure's ours. So, all right, Eagles Chiefs, lines at minus seven, obviously in favor of the Chiefs right now. Andy Reid going for his 100th victory as a Chiefs coach. LaShawn McCoy being retired at halftime. Cowboys game in the past. Last week's news. This week's news, Chiefs D-line sucks. And the yeah. Eagles should be able to run the ball on them. The only problem is we have Nick Sirianni. And Nick Sirianni thought he was going to be in a shootout last week against uh, Dallas. And if, uh, if that's the case this, this week, then uh, Miles Sanders better get comfortable on the bench because uh, he's not getting any touches. So what do you think about the Eagles game plan? What will it be like this weekend, you think? Uh, you touched on it. The Chiefs haven't generated much of a pass rush uh, versus the Browns, versus the Ravens, versus the Chargers. They rank 27th in the league uh, so far in sack percentage, 4.1%, the 30th in the league. And allowing 5.7 yards per carry is a unit that hasn't done well on the defensive line. And then you look at Monday night, which was absolutely brutal for the Eagles. Like, So this is one of my keys of the game versus the Chiefs. The Eagles' offensive line versus the Chiefs' defensive line. Uh, Dallas, what, had 16 hurries, three sacks. Without Demarcus Lawrence, the Eagles allowed, uh, what, 12 pressures, 10, 10 allowed quarterback hurries. Uh, so as much as that, like we're going back to the Doug Peterson days where everything points to the Eagles need to dominate the trenches here. However, you, you have a coach that's neglecting uh, Miles freaking Sanders, who is just not getting the ball. He didn't get his first carry until six minutes and 50 seconds remaining here in the first half versus the Dallas Cowboys. This is a guy that's just dominating when he gets the ball. 13 times he's touched the ball in on first downs, yet he's averaging like eight-plus yards a touch. The guy needs to touch the ball. As much as I want to kill Jalen Hurts, as much as I want to like just go crazy about what the future means 
for the Philadelphia Eagles. Nick Sirianni is the one to be called out here. And it really starts with, you know, the Eagles cementing their will against this Kansas City Chiefs. Time of possession, you know, running the football. Miles Sanders, Miles Sanders, Miles Sanders, feed the ball. Uh, uh, abuse that, you know, weak Kansas City Chiefs defensive line. So are, are you at all nervous with, say, Malu going out and obviously Brooks still not around? And I, I don't know if there's any news on Mylotta. I actually haven't seen that yet today. Uh, I, I'm not sure if we're expecting him or not on Sunday. Uh, so that's obviously we're, we're saying the O-line versus the D-line is a big key and we need to run the ball more. But are we going to be able to do that if we're missing three-fifths of our O-line? I don't think I, – I, he didn't practice today. He just went through walkthroughs, right? Um, so – Andre Diller did fine during pass rush uh, against a pass protection against the Dallas Cowboys. But at the end of the day, you have to be able to you know, football is fundamentals, you know, take care of like stop the unforced errors, you know, control the ball, you know, dominate, dominate, dominate the offensive line and in the trenches. And they didn't do that. They did not do that against the Dallas Cowboys. This game was over uh, by the pretty much the end of the first half. The, the Cowboys had like 118 yards. Uh, rushing the ball it was it was over and that was like one of my biggest keys going into the Cowboys was that the Eagles offensive line was just massive they're they're massive they're way bigger than this Cowboys defensive line and here we go again week four same kind of storyline I am definitely worried with the Sayamala loss um, but I, I think you know, at the end of the day, this is kind of like you fool me once, fool me twice type of thing. You know, the Eagles keep getting hurt on the offensive line. They keep getting hurt on the defensive line. At some point, you got to say there's a problem here. And unfortunately, week four, as much as I say it's an advantage probably for the Eagles here on the offensive line, I don't know what to expect week four. I don't think anybody can predict week four because they, they I, I thought personally the Eagles were going to come out. Uh, with a victory here against the Dallas Cowboys, they didn't uh, because I thought it would be done in the trenches. They get, they got, they got dominated, dominated against the Cowboys there, and I just can't, for me, say on paper it looks like an advantage. We'll see. So, so yeah, so like as you touched on Andre Dillard, like not terrible. Okay, fine, but like it sucks that we can't trade him because we have no, we we've zero depth right now. So like even if he plays good, even if Mylotta comes back in, in two weeks, how can you trade the guy? Because we don't have any depth. We might have to move him somewhere. We might have to move Mylotta somewhere. What's the question? I'm sorry. My mind no, I mean, dude, like you can't trade Dillard, correct? Like, well, no. Yeah, obviously. Yeah. No. Um, yeah. Just, just. Well, sorry. The question was more like you can't trade Dillard if he's good and Mylotta still comes back. Like I would rather them try to move Mylotta around. Or move Dillard around. Like, is that possible? Mm, yeah. I, I think they're both a little too big, yeah, to move inside. <laughs> I mean, Mayalata definitely showed that he's willing and able and mentally prepared to move anywhere on the line. That's the type of player Mayalata is. But when you've got a diamond in the rough, when you've got a franchise left tackle, I don't want to touch, I don't want to fuck with that, man. I, like, let him do his thing at left tackle. Um, Can and, Andre Dillard move around or not? That's not No, really, he really you know. he has struggled with that. <laughs> historically uh he is a left tackle uh whereas a lot of played right tackle and has done admirably well well okay um so for me though at the end of the day i think that's like if you had to point out like some major storylines positive storylines there haven't been many uh through three weeks 
Mayalata being that franchise left tackle is definitely on the top of the list. So, so Kyle right there, I, don't feel stupid. I know you make fun of me for being a tape guy. Dives is more than a tape guy. He's the guy who makes yeah. the tapes. Like he, <laughs> oh, he has to go through it and put the highlights together. So he goes even another step farther than I do. So bringing it to back to the draft a little bit, Dives, <laughs> I, I know my Chalk Talk co-host has been harping on this and coming at me about it. I didn't want to take a quarterback in the draft this year, in the 2021 draft. I was very happy with Devonta Smith. So after what we've seen from Jalen Hurts and a little bit of what we've seen from Devonta Smith, are you having a little bit of remorse that you weren't all in on a quarterback in 2021? No. Uh, no. You know, um... – Devontae Smith was a home run. You look at the Miami Dolphins right now, they're in a little bit of shambles. Uh, we'll, we'll see how it looks like. You can never like look at a draft like from last year and be like, well, we'll see what it looks like in two, three years from now and then make uh, a final uh, judgment on that one. But the Devontae Smith was still to this day a home run selection. I'm not – I was not a quarterback guy. I know Shane was um, in, in last year's draft. Uh, you, the, I'm still, I'm still in that same boat. And I, you know, you could probably put a point of gun to my head. And we talked about this, Mark, that like, I'm still good with rolling the dice on Jalen hurts moving forward. And I'm still good with, you know, probably getting a vet quarterback heading into 2022. If it doesn't work out, the strengths of next year's draft is not quarterback. And you know, that probably proves your point, Mark, that we should have got a quarterback last year. However, I just want to say that, you know, the, the Eagles, <laughs> that loss was an eye-opening loss. It was an eye-opening loss at the personnel of this team on defense, at the reality check of the injury history on the lines. You know, at some point, you have to build uh, build and build and develop. And the Eagles need a lot of talent. They have to inject a lot of talent on this roster. The holes are plenty. The holes are huge at safety, at linebacker. Uh, in the interior line, uh, defensive line, they like as good as uh, Josh Sweat hasn't exactly turned out to be as impactful as I thought he would be for, through three weeks. So they got to add a lot of talent here. So as much as I love the quarterbacks here, you know, uh, who had like I, I'm not like I live in my own kind of weird bubble. Um, I like to think about that. Like I have I, Philly sports. I live and breathe Philly sports. But I also have a podcast on Star Wars and Marvel and DC and uh, different things. So, like, when the Eagles stop playing on Sundays, I don't continue watching football. You know what I do? I fucking turn on, like, Captain America, the Winter Soldier, and that's what I'm doing. Or I watch she- Star Wars. <laughs> how long's how long's Jalen Hurts' leash for you? Oh, good question. Um, I'll go oh, all season long. There's, yeah. there's no question. Um, this is everything – the, the, I said this many times on my other pod is that like the entire point of this season is getting a full evaluation on Jalen Hurts. Like that's that wins and losses mean nothing for me. Like I, I I'm someone that uh, came into this season in that like five to I'd say five to ten win swing. Like I, I this team was kind of this team was kind of unpredictable coming in. It's a lot. Of, it's a big. That's but, but that's a big gap. Team. That's like a playoff team and a top five pick. Yeah. I mean, you look at kind of, you know, where this team was going, what they showed in the preseason, what I thought during training camp. None of that has happened these last two weeks. They've, they're not targeting the intermediate area of the field. They're not running the ball. 
They're not selling the play action. You know, Jalen, they're Nick Sirianni is basically turning Jalen Hurts into what we saw, you know, at the end of 2020. And it's bad. It is really, really bad. Long story short, I don't think Nick Sirianni is putting Jalen Hurts into a position to succeed. Long story short, you know, like Jalen Hurts is not a elite Justin Herbert, you know, major prospect that you should be putting back and throwing 94 fucking percent of the time. This is a guy that needs to, a, a, a firm, you know, running attack. He needs, um, you know, a, an offensive line that dominates. And they're they're not doing it. You look at third downs. You look at kind of how they failed these last two weeks. They're not get they're not getting the ball to Dallas Goddard on third down. He's touched the ball three times in three games on third down other than that touchdown to Devonte Smith on third down in that week one, literally the first play, the first like third down touch after that, it's been a train wreck. They have, they, it's just deep, deep, deep utilize his route running, get him the ball in space, you know, get him on quick slants. It, it has been as much as I want it. And Jalen hurts has been bad, but it is Nick Sirianni. I think personally for me, uh, the number one on the chain when it goes uh, to the Eagles' offensive issues. Um, so how long's but how long's the leash? Got to know how long the leash is. Long. All season long. Just you, that's it. You roll, you roll with. Well, what are you going to do, Joe? Flacco? You're right. No, 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 no. I'm just saying you. You and me have the same thought process. Like 17 games, Jalen Hurts no. gets, and then that's it. You live and die. Live and die with Jalen Hurts uh, for this season. Uh, is it in their best interest to lose? That's another question for another podcast. Oh man! But, but then I feel like like you're a tape guy, and now I feel like we're gonna give him 17 games, and he's gonna go right down the middle. He's gonna do. He's gonna pull Philly. He's gonna be very average, and then I'm gonna yeah. fight like guys. I'm gonna fight with guys like you, and you're gonna be like, "Hey, listen, his air yards were great, or his advanced stats were great." And I'm like, "I don't care. I want the eye test." You know what? Advanced analytics has ruined sports arguments, in my opinion. Kyle's just mad at me. I'm just taking out his anger on nerds like me. I just, I know I'm going to fight with you guys all summer if he's like right down the middle, shown good flashes, shown Dallas Cowboys Monday Night Football. Well, no. Yeah. I mean, I think everything you have, I mean, what? It was a seventh start. It was a seventh start last, last Monday night. And, you know, he's had a great game against a bad opponent and he's had two bad games. So it is what it is. He's not playing well. And that being said, that's kind of like the biggest like bummer out of Monday night is like you're in Dallas. Uh, you, you're hopeful that Nick Sirianni, you know, adjusts. You look at Jonathan Gannon, he adjusts. There's a lot, there's been kind of some um, things going on that you were hoping that the Eagles wouldn't fall into kind of the traps of the last two years. Did you know the last two years, the 12 carries – 12 rushes by the Eagles was the lowest total the last two years. And as much as like I go back to 2020 and how just I want to just throw my head through a wall like that was that was the most unbearable season I have experienced. We did pregame shows, postgame shows, preview shows all season long. And I just like when you put that much into it, like by week eight, I just wanted to die. <laughs> your your, your postgame show on Monday should have been a recipe for cyanide. That's yeah. what your post game show. No, it was been. like what it was like revisiting all the trauma that I went through in 2020. 
Uh, it was very Doug Peterson. I, I, I talked about it. I, go, go. That was, you know, me seven Tito's deep. I was, I was, I went in on it. So see, see um, I'm, I'm more of a big, like I'm a, I'm a sports fan, but I do like the entertainment factor of it. So like 2020 was actually kind of a fun year for me because it was just, it was just a psychopath year. I mean, those press conferences were must watch with Doug. Doug looked like a, a he looked dead. He looked like a ghost butler. You know, who also Kyle, Kyle you just know wants to watch the world burn. I am a, I am a chaos man. I'm an optimistic but I also love chaos. So he, you're officially the Joker of of the podcast. Yeah, I, I respect so. that. I'm a, I'm a DC guy, so I'm I'm good with that. Cool. Uh, so uh, I'm gonna take a look around the NFC East real quick, and uh, I think we came into the year expecting the Eagles to have a chance to make the playoffs, only uh, mainly because of the fact that the NFC East was looking pretty rough, and I, I think the team we were all nervous about was Washington. Yeah. That defense looks terrible. I mean, that looks like a serious problem. The Giants look as crappy as we could have expected and uh, as as crappy as we could have hoped for in my case. So I, I do want to talk about the Dallas Cowboys, though. So are you kind of taking that game as more of a negative for the Eagles? Like it was kind of just a, a rolling ball of chainsaws and it just got away from us and we suck and maybe not they're not that good. Or is it, damn – the Cowboys are really good and a Super Bowl contender, and that sucks because now that kind of eliminates our avenue to maybe competing in a weak NFC East. My, my head – so I have two answers, my head and my heart. My heart, of course, losing to Dallas, there's nothing worse. So, like, it's hard to take the emotion out of it. Like, let's be real. Like, when I say eye-opening, that's what I mean. Like, they were clearly better than the Eagles. There's no question about that. They dominated from the beginning to end. Um, at the end of the day, that was a buzzsaw, man. That was fucking quicksand. But when, you know, everything went wrong, when I, we talked about like a ghost, like uh, a deer in headlights, that was Nick Sirianni on the sideline. He had no idea what was he, what was going on. Uh, unlike what we saw in week one, like he had no adjustments, no feel of that game. And, and everything he did was quicksand. It just got worse and worse and worse. You look at Jalen hurts, same scenario, L- probably looking for advice from his head coach, who it, it just exacerbated everything. So at the end of the day, this, this is the NFL. This is the ebb and flow of the NFL. I'm not like, we lost to the Cowboys. We destroyed, we got destroyed, even though we lost by 20. It could have been like 40 of all I care, because that's what it felt like. Um, but at the end of the day, we'll see how things proceed moving forward. I, 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 I don't take one game and you know project it into the rest of the season now. Yeah, I guess uh, part of what makes it so confusing is that I think we've seen uh, two extremes and then a middle. Uh, I mean, we've seen that week one where that game could not have went more positive than we anyone expected. No one thought we were coming out and winning the game 32-6. to Even me and Kyle were very confident in the win. I think you were very confident in the win. We didn't mm-hmm. think that the defense was going to completely shut Atlanta down. And then in week two, we outgained San Fran by like 240 yards to start the game, and we don't have a lead, or we barely had a lead at that point. And then you give that game up, even though you probably outplay a really good 49ers team who went toe-to-toe with the Packers. And then you come home, or you go on the road, and you get your ass absolutely handed to you by your arch nemesis and by the guy who your head coach was handing out T-shirts, beat Dallas, you know, everything's about beat Dallas. So, I, I mean, where are you at with Sirianni, with the three extremes, basically, in 
in the game calling and where are you at with the bits and the t-shirts and do you, are, are you done with it or are, you know, are you into the whole Ted Lasso of it, even when they're losing? Love the Ted Lasso reference, dude. I'm a huge fan of that show. I do reviews of that show every week. Um, so is it good? Uh, oh my God. You don't even know, dude. It's probably like, I'm saying it. If things continue the arc, I don't know how many seasons they're going to do, but it's projecting as one of the best shows of all time. No is it like dad funny or is it like dopey funny or is it actually like the jokes are good? Um, it's happy tier funny. Um, it's okay. a soccer show, but it's not, it's, it has nothing to do with soccer. It's okay. like, it's uh, if you love sports and you love coaching and you uh, love positive energy and you know what a, a coach can do positively for its team and community, like it's unbelievable. It's and so also. Jason Sudeikis is fantastic. My goodness. I mean, give him all the awards. Sorry, I stepped on I stepped on Mark's question, so sorry. <laughs> no, I mean, Nick Sirianni. It was a good question. I wanted, I wanted to get to you talk about Nick Sirianni. You, you got to start with the freaking penalties, man. They're second in the league in false start penalties. Uh, they, they're second in defensive offsides. They've got two encroachment penalties. Last year, they were second in false starts. That's Doug Peterson. Uh, but you look at the 35 penalties, it set a franchise freaking record, man. You look at 13, 13 of those are pre-snap penalties. You look at Derek Barnett's penalty when, you know, that was my big storyline of the Dallas game is like Dak Prescott, when, when he is at third and short, absolutely unstoppable, absolutely unstoppable. And that's not, that's actually the blueprint of what I want to see from Jalen Hurts. We'll get to that. Um, but you look at kind of like Nick Sirianni and, uh, I think everything he preached during training camp and stuff was a putting guys in position to succeed failed. He's failed that altogether outside of week one. And then you look at two, like playing smart, you know, being an efficient football team. They're, they're not, they're, they're about to break the record for penalties of all time. Um, You've got to start there. And then I go straight to Miles Sanders. Who's, Um, You look at, what, 53 offensive plays Monday night. They ran the ball three times. Uh, Sanders, 5.2 rushing yards, third best in the NFL. And just to piggyback off what I said before, here's the stat line. Miles Sanders is averaging 8.7 yards per carry on first down. 8.7 yards per carry on first down. And out of the 77 Eagles first downs this year, he's touched the ball 13 times. Let's go. That That's is, analytics. That is absolutely trailer trash. Like that is god awful. So Nick Sirianni, you know, I praised him for week one. I, I, I even though the penalty, the red flags were there. They had penalties. They, they overcame them. You know, the red flags were there to start. Uh, but he has been awful. awful Maybe Sirianni saving them for week eighteen when we're going for the <laughs> I mean, division. <laughs> I, is that Mark? Like watching that, like. Where does that rank for your like all-time worst play calling? Uh, what, what have you seen? Like, where does that where does that rank for you? It's it's up there, man. I, I mean, it's up there with some Chan Gailey play calling down there in Miami. Some some Bill Lazor, some Jim Bob Cooter. I, I mean, uh, there's been. I mean, wait, Jim Bob Cooter's involved in this mm-hmm. team, isn't he, Kyle? Two minute drill. The oh Cooter time. God, Jim Bob Cooter's here to I, ruin it. I think the the, the no pre-snap motion, and I'm obviously I'm not a football yeah. guy like you guys oh my are. God. Like the fact that no pre-snap motion was the craziest thing oh, in my man. opinion. Even defensively. Like we came into this season thinking Jonathan Gannon stunts, you know, mixing up the line, 
you know, what they blitzed a couple of times. Uh, Eric Wilson has a couple of blitzes and then uh, Avery has a couple of blitzes. Nothing, nothing. And now they're relying on a four man rush. Jim Schwartz all over again, man. It is just like it is. That was a. Well, our, so I want to ask you that because like since who was uh, Lane Kiffin's dad? Uh, Monty. Monty Kiffin, he introduced like what the cover two or the Tampa two or whatever it was. Has there really been any different defenses since like the eighties? Like I feel like defenses are, are, are they, mm. are they really different or is every defensive quarter coordinator kind of the same? They just have a better team or a worse team. I'm generally curious. I'll let Mark answer. I have, that's a shame question. I have no clue. I don't, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I like to stay in my bubble. I'm not going <laughs> to speak on things I don't know. <laughs> well, uh, I think it's just changed in terms of sub packages, in terms of like how many receivers are out there. That means they have to bring on extra D backs, and it's obviously more nickel backs. And sometimes you have to bring on a sub safety at linebacker instead of having three linebackers. And that changes the whole thing of four, three, three, four. I, I, I don't want to bog it down too much, but uh, I would say that. Not much has changed outside of just – I mean, most teams run either a 4-3 or a 3-4, and then not much changes uh, changes outside of, you know, uh, normal D-back stuff. But uh, I would say where philosophy comes in in terms of a defensive coordinator is how much they blitz and what they really mm. depend on. Like a Jim Schwartz guy is someone who doesn't want to blitz at all and is so dependent on getting pressure with four that that's his whole defense. Like you have to cover – really well because you're only getting pressure with four as opposed to some guys, you know, like Rex Ryan or Buddy Ryan, his dad, uh, obviously a former Eagles coach. Um, and then Rob Ryan, his brother, they like to bring the house down. I mean, who I forget who the guy um, who ran like a zero blitz two years ago when, Oh uh, my Greg, God, uh, Greg Williams. Greg Williams, yeah, Dr. Yeah. Heat, Dr. Heat. Well, actually, how about the zero them. blitz on Monday Night Football two weeks ago from the Ravens? From uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> that was wild too. Wink Martindale and Ravens. Wink he's Martindale. another guy. He's another guy who's got a crazy, crazy thing. So it, it all just comes down to philosophy. Gannon, we came into the year not knowing because, and, and that's kind of, that's kind of where I, I'm, you know. This podcast benefited tremendously from the Nick Sirianni bit. Shout out to Kyle's got some green in his jeans over there no. uh, from that shirt. Um, but uh, I uh, so I, I know for like a couple of days we weren't criticizing Sirianni, but I'm right back <laughs> yeah. to where I was when they hired him. And I, I think, it, you know, we hired a guy who no one else wanted to hire and we hired a guy who no one he had no experience play calling. And then not only did he have no experience play calling, he didn't bring in a coordinator at either position who had experience play calling. So we are watching a coaching staff literally figure it out on the fly here. And and, and that's pretty crazy. So I guess how long if we go four and 13 this year and Jalen Hurts is a failure and we have to do something different at quarterback next year. Are we just fully believing in Nick Sirianni to to you know, I mean that's so far down the road. This is like a I like hypothetical yeah. question. Uh, uh, Mark, I don't think it is. I don't think it is. If I have to see what I saw on Monday more than three or four times this year, like I don't think it's that crazy. It, it feels crazy, but maybe you're right. Maybe it's not that crazy. Is this a conversation where every couple of years as a one and done coach, or maybe not one and done, but maybe if we bring in another quarterback and it doesn't work, I can't see this going past next year if it's not fixed. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know what you Nick think. Sirianni has gotten owned. There's no way anybody can doubt. He got owned by D'Amico Ryans. Um, and now yeah. he, he got owned here in week three. So 
there's no one can argue that. So I think context is everything here. Um, if they're four and 13 and they have two top 10 picks as a player development guy who like loves the NFL draft for me, like I'm again, one of those weird Eagles fans, I'm, I'm ecstatic. <laughs> I'm ready to go because at the end of the day, they need to inject major talent on this roster. Um, so you, would I, you be I'm, pissed when they trade those three for Russell Wilson after they go like <laughs> six and 10? Yes. Very okay. much. Right. I might be in on that. Honestly, like usually I would say, yeah, if it's like, you know, the, the sexual. They're not ready from bro. Houston. They're not ready to make that. Move. I know, but Russell Wilson's so good. They're not. Russell I know. He's, he's my favorite player in the NFL. And that was a really good point. By you. He's by Dude. far the, the, the one player that gives me nightmares. How he uh, finally gets his guy. <laughs> I can't. Yeah, I can't. yeah. But he, he's amazing. But the Eagles are not prepared to make that move. They're not even close. Why That's not? The before I pitch it around Philly a little bit, because we brought Howie up there for a second, ha- have you heard the rumors and the the scuttlebutt, mostly created by this podcast and like one other article, <laughs> that that Howie Roseman and Jeffrey Lurie have Nick Sirianni on a shock collar under his under his bicep? That's why his arms are looking so big. They have a shock collar every time he runs the ball. They they send a jolt. Do you see that report from the fact that they were calling uh, meetings with Doug Peterson after 38-13 wins that he was running the ball too much? No, I did not see that. That better be a headline tomorrow on the Painted Lines. I want that on the front page. Uh, <laughs> Everything's fine podcast. Nick Sirianni wearing Report. shock collar. Yeah. Reports say. Uh, but- I mean, that is what it is. It is like You nailed it, Mark. Like you know, Nick Sirianni at the end of the day is a puppet. You know That's why he was brought in. Uh, and at the end of the day – that's that's it that is it so um i've I'm, at the end of the day like there's <laughs> there's bigger problems here jeff mclean did ask today if he's having those tuesday meetings with Lori. like that's awesome like and and sirianni <laughs> had a great say? answer back saying like nah i've been talking to him throughout the whole week but no nothing has been set in stone schedule-wise it's like oh you lose this week you get blown out this week those tuesday meetings will be coming right back wasn't that like just to like kind of piggyback like wasn't that first miles sanders run like 20 yards like <laughs> what do you have he had 30 yards he had 24 yards in the first on the first run six on the second oh, yeah. and then let's go away from this guy it's not like that is doug peters that's doug peters hey um if, if jalen hurts isn't the guy you being the draft guy and everything i know you said it's not a strong uh quarterback class but uh if, if jalen hurts isn't the guy who should people be watching on saturday uh to get ready it's malik willis we already talked about it um malik willis is the guy that cemented himself as the from the fun belt, but that no way am I drafting him. Absolutely not. <laughs> Why not? In fact, I would probably trade up. Um, if, if they have to, I would get uh Thibodeau, Kayvon Thibodeau. Mm. Um, is he that good? I'm, I, I'm, I don't like Pac 12 guys. There's no question I would trade up and get Thibodeau, uh, uh, a premier starting, uh, elite, uh, you know, pass rusher. That's where you make your money there in the draft. And then we already touched on it. Other, <laughs> your other boy, Mark, uh, Kyle Hamilton, is uh, you look at kind of where the Eagles are going to get exposed this weekend uh, against Mahomes at that safety position. You look at their linebacker position. I love Kyle Hamilton's you know hybrid ability to play all over the field there. I'm terrified of Mahomes against the secondary. I truly am. Darius Slay got a hit for two touchdowns last week. Um, I, you look at the miscommunication between the linebackers and, and the safeties, and you look at uh, Jordan Schultz lighting up um, uh, this Eagles defense. 
you know, you go against a good quarterback like Patrick Mahomes, even though Mahomes is struggling this year. Like the the last two weeks have been kind of tough. What two interceptions? He's uh, what he's struggling to get the ball down the field a little bit, uh, which is not typical. But um, I'm I don't know where I'm going. I'm going on a tangent here. Um, But anyway, long story short, what were we talking about? Uh, guys, we should be watching on Saturday if yeah, uh, for quarterback. It is, it is Thibodeau. It is Kyle Hamilton. So no Stingley quarterback. Has disappointed me a little bit. Um, I don't know what the deal is there. He was way more impressive last year watching him. Uh, I don't know if he's checked out because of LSU or what, whatever. Um, but those are like the top three. Uh, there's a lot of really good wide receivers in this draft that I really like. Um, but you know, the, the Eagles have to inject defense onto this roster that that is my my focus there in the top of this draft um they have to get a linebacker they have to i like you know i like the idea of adding you know interior linemen i'm done with brandon brooks um what else (sighs) i'll take it i'll take it at qb real here just real quick here we mentioned Malik Willis. I I fully want Malik Willis. I'm I'm down to move up to the number one overall pick and take him. I, I I'm in love. Um, he sounds like the the seems like the perfect Madden quarterback for the next ten years for me to start Eagles franchises with. Um, but a- anyway, I do like him a lot, and I think he's got the highest upside. But guys like Sam Howell, I, I think he's a carbon copy of Baker Mayfield. Uh, do you want to take a guy like that in the top five, the top ten? No, I don't necessarily know. I, it's, Dude, he's been bad this year. He definitely has been. Without weapons, he has not looked good. Spencer Rattler has – I don't know if anyone has tanked their stock as much as Spencer Rattler. I'm still seeing him in the top five, but he's looked absolutely terrible. And then, you know, you got another guy named Carson. Can you select another quarterback named Carson from a non, you know, power five school uh, and bring him into Philly? I don't know. You know, I know this is a quarterback factory, but – this guy's oh, insane. Yeah. This is a, by the way, in a game they absolutely did lose to Syracuse. So this is I don't want to get people too excited. Yeah. <laughs> and Liberty definitely lost to Syracuse. But I mean, dude, they, this is like a religious university. Malik Willis is an out here playing with five stars. He's playing number seven. Yeah, he's an absolute beast. He he's he's Michael Vick. He runs like Michael Vick. Yeah, he's he's just an absolute tank. Uh, I, I mean, he's got like he runs dudes over. Like uh, it's absolutely crazy. Uh, he throws like down. Michael Vick. They were definitely down fourteen nothing there. Jalen, well, don't look at the score. We'll, we'll, we'll <laughs> get the score. Yeah, we'll get the score out of the out of the. I, I bet on Liberty. So his, I'm a little first, butter, but. his first throw of the season was a touchdown, which is really yeah. he tied it up right here, Mark. They they made a comeback, which almost made the gambling loss hurt more. But dude, I mean, he yeah. he throws like Michael Vick. Yeah, no, he's he's really really interesting, but I mean, there's also I think I think I'm forgetting a big name here. Um, Keaton Slovis is from USC's hurt right now. He's going to go in the second round. So the the interesting thing about this draft is that there's going to be so many quarterbacks. So maybe we can take it. I mean, we have at least two first round picks and then a high, probably two high second round picks at worst. So maybe we can take a Thibodeau, a Hamilton, a Stingley high in the draft and then get our quarterback in the way that the Patriots and the bears got theirs in the teens and the twenties. So uh, that's the jury's the, that, still out on those guys. Definitely for, for sure. Jury's still out on every rookie quarterback. No one, no one is beyond the jury being out at this point. Even but Trevor Lawrence has made mistakes. Absolutely. He's been super disappointing, but uh, I, I want to pitch it around Philly real quick because uh, I, I know that Kyle has been a Penn state Homer on this pod, but he is a temple guy. So <laughs> no, I, I know that what? you guys are both temple guys here. Uh, just, uh, I wanted to do a little temple reveal to both of you that uh, we are in a, on a pod of two third temple owls. 
uh, and I am I am not in a cherry and white. Go Temple beat Cincinnati in two weeks. Short oh, week. We're gonna get smoked. It's a short week. It's a short week. It's only Cincinnati only has five days to prepare for Temple. I have been really impressed by uh, Jahan Dotson uh, for Penn State. Uh, Abekadi, Abekadi, Uh He was a Temple uh, top uh, pass rusher for Temple last year. Went to Penn State. Uh, has been playing very well for Penn State. He's one of the best edge rushers for, for Penn State. <laughs> yeah. All, right. All right. Well, well, before we get you out of here, um, I don't know if you saw this tweet, but I saw in your bio that you're a four for four guy, which I can always uh, appreciate. Me is not a four for four guy. I'm more of a lukewarm two and a half guy. This went around. This went around Philly a little bit. A half. I thought you're definitely a three guy. Uh, Philly's kind of. I can. I can give or take. No one. You do a Phillies podcast every week. I like Bob Wankel. I don't do it for the Phillies. (laughs) I think I I like the baseball bro. Uh, John Barcher came out. No one is truly four for four. I don't buy it. We're all two for fours at best. Now I don't think we're all two for fours. I think some of us are two and a half or some of our threes. I'm a two for four. I think this comment is true, but. You being four for four guy, being enough that you put it in your profile, the floor is yours. What's your rebuttal? I think this is pretty true. I think this is. Oh, I want you after this podcast taking four for four out of your bio. That is ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, can I add the two of like Batman and no, <laughs> Batman didn't uh, say Philly. Uh, well, I'd watch Shazam. He was in whatever. Oh, yeah. Um, um, I, I agree with that. I hope, I, I mean, it, for me, it really truly depends. We were just talking about like the Phillies, like their lack of player. I, so just so you know, like I am all about player development. Like if, if you're missing that piece, I am like nearly checked out on that franchise. Like I, I don't have any interest in watching old players on the flyers. Uh, I don't have any interest in watching old players on the Phillies. Um, I, I, that's not how you run an organization. So, and Margaret, Margaret and I can go back and forth on that wholeheartedly on Bryce Harper signing and all that kind of stuff. Um, that's not like I said. My my best memories were going to Reading and watching Ryan Howard J roll. Uh, wow. Like that is to the core uh, what I love about sports. I love college football. I love college basketball even more. You like the progress. I love the progress and I trust the progress. That's how I've always been. Like I've always enjoyed college basketball and watching them develop into the NBA draft. Um, So if you don't have those guys, that's why like, all right. So I, all right, this is for real. I would, would a hundred percent rather watch uh, if like nothing, if the Sixers aren't on TV and the Eagles aren't on TV and you have the Phillies and the Flyers on TV and the Delaware blue coats are on the TV. What do you think I'm watching? Are you watching the blue coats? I'm 100% watching the blue coats. That's just the that's just the insane like bubble like, I live in. 10 of I those love, 11 guys will never see the NBA floor. I love it. I love it. I love it, Kyle. Like it's it's for some reason like same for college basketball. If there's a great college basketball matchup, I am definitely watching it. Now, what if um, it's Phillies 07 to 11 and they're winning and they're good? I feel like it's oh, it's different. different. Well, that's that's totally different because I love watching players grow and develop, and you haven't seen that on the Phillies in a long time. Um, and I agree, Mark. Like, if there was a success this year, it was Wheeler. You know, Wheeler is everything and then some. Um, so, but at the end of the day, I just disagree with that whole organization. Um, I don't. I love the Flyers' prospects. We'll see what they do 
this year um, and, and what that means in years, you know, two or three years from now. Um, but at the end of the day, like I very much would rather watch Tyrese Maxey play or uh, Grant Riller, Ali Oop to Charles Bassey. Give me that all day long, man. I, Is I Wade it. Allison going to be any good? Because he has a lot of T-shirt potential. Yeah, Wade Allison, Cam York. I mean, you could count uh, the Flyers prospects over and over and over again oh, before wow. you get to a field. Mark, guy. you got to see this kid. This kid's got just long, flowing orange hair. He beat the absolute piss out of a New York Rangers uh, player. And the New York Rangers guy had blood all over his visor, and they had a picture of it amazing like wade allison if he's like if he's half as good as as he's supposed to be he'll be beloved in this city uh what if it was um the first place phillies but the blue coats were on too oh, but the first good. place phillies had all double a and triple a guys up and they were just playing out of their mind like that's progress so where are you conflicted on there or is it a two tv setup at that point this is a um this is what an edition of like marvel's what if yes uh, where the phillies are in first place <laughs> yeah, this, is, this is the, everything's fine what if <laughs> I, I, I will I, I will just say because kyle's been squeezing me like an orange to try to get me to give him something on the ben simmons topic and the sixers over the last three months and i've just absolutely tried to give him nothing it's the big score in sports uh, it really is, and it's not great that we host the Philly Sports Podcast and half of the podcast has no interest in discussing it. It's a but, nightmare. Uh, since he's going to – it's not good. I know that it, I know I need to do better, Kyle. Yeah. But you know, I, I since I'm we're going to do this uh, later on on our own with just me and Kyle and I'm going to stonewall him again, let's, uh, let's get a little take from Dives on the whole situation going into the year. Where are you at with Ben Simmons? This just might be an hour of us and Dives. So like we could just, <laughs> we could just release the podcast now. It's my nightmare because I, like, I don't know if anybody knows, but like I was a guy who defended Ben uh, for years. I, I'm a Ben guy. Um, we all and um, so I, I defended him. I, I did watch parties and I did post game shows for the last two years of, you know, me going up, one-on-one versus fans uh, debating and arguing, Ben, 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 Ben. And the last two months has been really tough, um, really tough. And uh, I, I don't know I don't know where the Sixers go from here. For uh, for me, you, you let them sit. The logical choice is let them sit, wait until you get your best offer, and go from there. Um, but it, I don't know the ramifications of that. I don't know the in, internal pieces of that with agents and players and all that kind of stuff. I mean, it, I love Joel Embiid calling his phony ass out uh, today in the media. That was awesome. Uh, I was really happy to see that, you know, Ben saying like, you know, the team is not built around me and it's not optimal for him. And the, Philly, the Sixers have done that. And then some of the last two years, I'm just sick of it. And uh, it was a, it's depressing, man. It's a, you know, I, I don't know what else to say other than uh, they're going to take a major hit, a major, major hit, and especially when Joel Embiid sits. Um, what that means for this team moving forward, what it means for the team defensively. But at the end of the day, the the biggest issue with the Sixers is still Doc Rivers, um, and I just don't believe the team is going anywhere with Doc. Um, uh, the Sixers have a lot to prove um, this season. Um, and Doc's rotations are probably higher on the list than Ben, which probably I'll probably get some slack for that. Um, so we'll see where it goes. Uh, Doc, <laughs> uh, 
I mean, that, I, I, I hate talking about it because the Sixers are like a sore issue for me. Because I love the Sixers. You talk about four for four. I love basketball. I'm a basketball junkie. Um, it's not been easy to get ready for this season. It's uh, it's been very difficult. And uh, the, where they're at as a basketball team, they're kind of at a crossroads. They're, they really are. And um, we'll see if Doc can get Joel Embiid in better position to succeed. I, I think he's going to have a terrific year. But, man, they, they are there, – there is definitely a, a reason to believe a step back. Um, a lot hinges on Tyrese Maxey and the depth, the depth, the depth to be better than it was last year. Um, and I think it will be. Um, but there's a lot of question marks, way more question marks than answers at this point for the Philadelphia 76ers. Um, regarding Ben, I, I just cannot wait for him to come back to Philly uh, for his first game at the Wells Fargo Center. That will be one of the most epic crowd reactions of all time. He will not be there. He will probably – his bitch ass will probably be in the locker room. I think so, uh, too. You know, um, faking so, an injury. So, for me, it really hurts because um, I, I love Ben. I think he's terrific. Um, it's just hard to see a guy like that accept a participation award and, and just be so soft and be so just mentally weak. Um, it's just – it's tough, man, because I always believe that, like, he was there. He just – he was there, but you look at accountability. You look, you look at it on both ends. You look at it on the Sixers. Brett Brown never held him accountable. You look at Doc Rivers accepting his defensive impact. Uh, how many times did we see a Sixers game and Ben had what five to ten points and he was asked cold, cold, stone cold? Uh, what do you think of Ben's offensive output? It's fine, and Doc would respond, "Did you see that defense?" And then, sure enough, he throws him under the bus. So, as much as this is a Ben problem, this is a Doc Rivers problem. So, yeah, I just want to say don't let Austin Krell hear you uh, talking bad about his boy, Doc Rivers. But um, <laughs> I just wanted to throw that that bomb since he'll not, he's not going to hear it. Um, so, <laughs> so uh, but before I I'm, I, I, I'm tagging Austin Krell on this clip before, <laughs> before I do mention I, I, you'll never you're going to hear something for the first and last time here on the Everything's Fine podcast. You're going to hear me defend Doc Rivers just just a little bit. I think. Everyone expects us to take a huge step back in the regular season, maybe due to the Ben situation and due to what we saw in the playoffs. I think Doc Rivers has proven that he will be a good regular season coach. And even if we have all of these issues, that seems to crop up in the playoffs. And I I think there's a big scenario, and me and Kyle have talked about it, that you know, Ben doesn't show up and this team's like 15 and five and kind of rolling and vibes are high. Tyrese Maxey takes a step. Maybe Matisse Thibel <laughs> is a lot more playable when you don't have a guy who, who else can't shoot like Ben Simmons. And you, you also aren't juggling the backup big lineup who obviously that looks like it's going to be Drummond who can't shoot with Ben and Matisse. So, uh, I, I mean, you heard me. Dives does not have to does not have to hear me complain about Dwight Howard anymore. <laughs> backup bigs with Ben and Matisse. I think that Matisse and Maxi, without Ben around, can both really take a leap. So I, I think, as draft guys uh, who both loved Matisse and Maxi as prospects, I, I, I think we both have to be pretty excited about what they can be this year in expanded yeah. roles. And I think that's going to be a big part of maybe the Sixers team exceeding some expectations, at least in the regular season. What do you think? The, the second that Maxi, you know, goes over a screen and hits a three, it like everybody, every single Sixers fan is going to go absolutely batshit crazy uh, this season. 
Um, yeah, the expectation for Maxi are probably way too high. Um, I, I have done a lot of polls and stuff on Tyrese Maxi, and everyone's like 20 plus a game. Um, you know, I, I don't know. How do I say this? Um, I, I think Tyrese Maxey is going to be terrific, but I, I'm a little nervous about him being exposed as a point guard. Uh, I don't know what his role is uh, moving forward. And, you know, he's been working on his ability as a floor leader, as a general uh, point general and stuff. Um, but I, I don't think that's his best weapon. He, you know, basketball is one of those like games where like you are as good as you are with your best skill set. Like if you're a rim protector, protect the rim. If you're a shooter, shoot. Like, I don't like the idea of like uh, Tyrese Maxey building his other sides of the game. Like I want to focus him on a mi- being a microwave scorer, attacking the rim relentlessly. That being said, like there's definitely areas of this game he can expand upon, uh, but I'm a little worried that like expectations are getting too high that he's going to be able to be this like true point guard that Ben was, even though Ben was not a true point guard. You know what I mean? Like he's going to be like this assist machine, um, you know, floor leader. Uh, at point guard for the Sixers, I don't think that's what he is. Uh, I think what he is is a a big time scorer. I do think he's going to be a great scorer, um, but I don't know if that's at the point. Uh, so we will see. You know, Seth showed some ability to run the point. We'll probably see Shake run uh, some ability at the point. Regarding Matisse Thibel, um, he's just up as up there with uh, Tyrese Maxey in terms of importance. Uh, in terms of making an impact on this team. Uh, He's going to defend multiple positions, as always. But if there was a year for Matisse Thibault to take his scoring up a level in terms of hitting corner threes and hitting the open three, this is it. And uh, we need Matisse to really be that guy. So um, everything is pointing to these two young guys to kind of take their next step in their development. Um, There's a lot of questions, Mark, a lot of questions. For sure. Uh, I think Matisse, I mean, we've said it many times, like Matisse hits 36% of his threes on a very average amount of volume. He's an all-star. He's a top 50 player in the NBA. If if he does, if Matisse is 36% of his threes and given that, I mean, I was among, I mean, on every post game show, probably like three quarters of the season in and through the playoffs, Play Matisse, play Matisse, play Matisse. I was the one banging the drum to play him more, and we didn't see it. So I'm excited. I'm excited to see him get that role and get that opportunity uh, here this season with 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 the Sixers. So we'll see. We'll see. But um, you know, it's it's still kind of an iffy. I, you know, I will say uh, the, the last two weeks of Eagle season has definitely got me more excited about the Sixers. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if Kyle's antsy to watch TNF or antsy to get get us out of here uh, to go. Uh, he Kyle was very excited for Thursday night football when it, I was when too. I, I I was shocked when when Kyle asked if he wanted to move the time of recording. I was like, Bengals Jaguars? Are we are we kidding me? I was Bengals shocked. Two and one Bengals. Yeah, I, I was shocked, but I, I, made, I just real quick uh, this this poll that I put out. Earlier this week, I think I'm going to ask every guest for the next nine months that we have it because we are so far away from any of them. And I'm, uh, the Flyers don't count. We talked about the four for four. They don't exist. Which Jeez. of the Phillies, Eagles, and Sixers would you yeah. bet on being the next to win a title? Oh, I'm not a better. I'm not a gambler. Sorry, Mark. Um, <laughs> I mean, Gun to that, your head. Gun you to your head. You have to pick the next one. My, my, my gut. 
no, I'll say my head says, I mean, Joel Embiid is the best player in the city. Uh, so I'll go there. Um, it's if, you know, he's healthy in a seven game series and the, the rotations are right and Doc's getting him the ball right and he's healthy again, if he's healthy, if he's healthy, if he's healthy, then fine. The Sixers, um, I'll go, you know, the, the other, I don't believe in the Eagles yet. You know, they're, they're definitely years, years out. Um, the other team I will go and they've got the pieces in place that they, we just need to wait a little bit on. And that's the Philadelphia Flyers. Uh, the Flyers uh, hockey can be a, a, a season where teams catch win and teams can, you know, kind of catch magic a little bit here. Uh, we've seen the Flyers there before the pandemic are uh, awesome. And then they collapse. Uh, they have a true number one goalie who struggled a little bit recently, uh, but I think we'll get it together. Uh, and then they have prospects upon prospects upon prospects, Cam York, uh, Morgan Frost, just coming up ready to play. Uh, it just might take some time. So if we're talking like, you know, who is the next, you know, championship here in Philly? I don't see the Sixers winning in two, three years. I don't see the Eagles winning in two, three years. I don't see anyone else. It's the Flyers for me. Yeah, I think for the same reason you said the Flyers, me and Kyle kind of went with the Phillies because of the randomness of baseball and these Core. random no. titles. No. I know you. I know you. I'm not sneaking that by you, Dives. As as. I know uh, my my whole thing would just be that you have a a little bit of a core to be excited about with JT, Reese, Bryce, Bryce, Wheeler, Ranger, and maybe, maybe Nola. We'll see. But yeah, man. Maybe Eflin. If all you need, if all you need is a third baseman, a shortstop, a left fielder, center fielder, (laughs) an entire bullpen, that's not that far. Mm -mm. We're not that far. Mm -mm. I don't, Mark, I don't understand. I don't. <laughs> I'm out. I, uh, you're smarter than that. <laughs> <laughs> we do a lot with hyperboles on here. All right, Dibes. Thanks so much for coming on, man. Where can people find you? Ah, uh, Mr. Crockpot on Twitter. Uh, you don't want to follow Mr. me. I, 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 post a lot of, I, post, I post a lot of girl dad photos. Uh, <laughs> I'm a first time father. A lot of a lot of nerd shit. Um, it's all good. I, I do a lot. I do a lot of other shit, but. I'm, I'm honored to join. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Dives, Dives is underselling himself. Go follow at the Painted Lines. Dives <laughs> kills it over there with his draft highlights and uh, his highlights in general over there. There's a ton of videos. And there, there's a little podcast called the Tough Cover Podcast on there that might have just made 102 units in September. No big deal. <laughs> no, big deal. no big deal. We took off today, so no big deal. Yeah, no big deal. Hey, man, I had yeah. to protect that. Guy goes, <laughs> guy, goes, guy goes one for four, and he just you know falls off the horse and doesn't get back on the horse. One and four, one for five, if you're being honest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, one and four, yeah. So, you know, get on the horse, fall off the horse, what, six times, get back on seven or fall off seven, get up. I don't know what the fuck it is, but it's Mark Henry. Hey, get off, fall off the horse one time, don't get back on. So, uh, thanks for those winners, Mark. Guess we'll never see you ever again. <laughs> That's fair. Dives, thanks so much for coming on, man. Um, follow him, Paintland Lines, and uh, we'll definitely have you on. Again, Yeah, trust the progress. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Let's do picks real quick. Go first. Uh, I'll start off with over 47. We're uh, not doing overs. We did last week. We yeah. said that that was okay. All right, fine. <laughs> 
over 47 in the Washington football team Atlanta game. I'm sticking with the Washington football team overs. The Heineke Hive is strong, and also the defense is not. But mainly because I wanted to point out this over-under stat. Uh, So far, NFL games in 2021 have finished 20 and 28 on the under, 58% unders. Outdoor games are 11 and 22. That means 22 unders out of 33 games, but indoor games are nine and six on the over. So bet indoor overs. There's like, I think there's a, there are six games taking place in domes this week. I'm just going with the game that's going on in the Atlanta dome, Washington, Atlanta over 47. Houston Texans plus 17, just because I rem- I have shades of, uh, the Patriots playing the Dolphins a couple years ago and the Patriots like blew out the team week one and they were playing the Dolphins week two who were selected to go like oh and 16. And I remember it was like a 16 point spread and I remember betting on the Patriots and they only won by like nine teams in the NFL for some reason never cover like three score leads. So I think Houston Texans plus 17 just based on the numbers and the history you got to play that. I want to I want to share a picture that'll make you feel stronger about this bet real quick. Um, Davis uh, Mills neck. It absolutely is Davis Mills neck. Is I it mean, really? It yeah, it absolutely is. I mean, this guy. You, you you take a look at this guy's neck and you tell me he can't cover a 17 point spread. I, I don't know what to tell you. That is some neck. Well, did you see that picture with the, with David Coley grabbing onto him by the neck? He had some neck yeah. to spare when he was grabbing onto him. I mean, there it is right there. Is... I can't breathe. Do that one. Where? Wait. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> wait. Yeah. I mean, this is serious. I mean, that that is that's just a whole lot of neck. Pencil I mean, fucking I, neck. That, that's a neck and a half. That that'll cover 17, 17 points. Now, I'm staying away from that game, but uh, let me go with my next one. This is actually my best bet, and I don't care what the spread is. Uh, I think it's up to, uh, I don't know, minus one, plus one. It's been bouncing around. It's different in every book. Give me Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens to beat the fraud 3-0 Denver Broncos, the first 3-0 team to play three teams that are combined 0-9. Just absolute frauds, even though I am a Teddy Big Schlong a Teddy Covers, a Teddy Bridgewater fan. Um, I'm still going to go with Baltimore here. I don't care if Lamar hurt his hip and his back jumping into the end zone on a flip two weeks ago. I don't care that they barely beat the Lions and it took a superhuman kick from the best kicker of all time. From all I checked, Justin Tucker's souping up this week again. I think Baltimore is going to beat Denver in hell. In that altitude, Justin Tucker might kick a 70-yarder. Who knows? New Orleans Saints minus seven. Over the Giants. The Giants are absolutely putrid. New Orleans Saints at home. I don't love the seven. It's the Giants, though. I mean, Joe Judge is the greatest thing in the world. That Doug Peterson and Joe Judge have the same amount of wins this uh, this season. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, Joe Judge is just, he's the absolute. You say he doesn't genius. live in a world of fears. He controls his own world. It's like you punted on in fourth down on your <laughs> opponent's 39. Don't tell me you're not scared. Yeah, he's, he's the absolute worst. So now I'm... I have two picks ready to go. I don't know. No, you to get go one. With. I know. I know. I can't decide. Uh, you go first. You want to. You want to take the bullet out of the chamber. If you pick one of them, I'll go with another one. All right. Uh, this is my Bobbit bet. I got to find my Bobbit bet. I didn't prepare <laughs> for this, but this is good though. This is this is good because 
on week one, I didn't prepare either, and I went 3-0. Uh, I'm going to take the Washington football team. So, Bob, I bet if I had to put my dick on the line, this is the bet I would have to. Uh, if not, I'd get it chopped off. Washington football team minus one over the Atlanta Falcons. The Atlanta Falcons are not good. I don't care if the Atlanta Falcons are at home. We saw what they were like when uh, the Eagles played them at home. Just not a good football team. They're better than the Giants, but uh, they, the Washington football team you know, is getting some flack because they – stink their defense stinks more than people thought it did but i'm on the heine hive the heine king uh he keeps playing well he keeps winning he gets a winning streak together i mean if you're heineken how can you not how can you not get an endorsement deal with this guy maybe because i don't know he's a trump supporter and people went nuts last year when that happened and that came out guys have the time of his life and it's like oh let's find his tweets Ugh, yeah I hate people go ahead yeah i yeah i <laughs> No comment. No comment. Yeah, you don't have to agree uh, with the guy, but Jesus Christ, the guy's having the time of his life, and he's fucking they're getting his old tweets. You know, I'm a, you know, you know, I'm a Heineke guy. So I, I, I you support are a the pick. I, by Sunday, I will probably bet Washington, but I don't have them on my card yet. But uh, I do think they'll win the game if I if I had to pick the game. So I, I'm, I'm still, oh my god, I'm still with these two tight spreads, and I can't believe I'm going to do it. It's an affront to Philadelphia, and it's a front to me. But it's it's the pick bowl. If I I have to pick it, the Dolphins and the Colts are facing off. We have both of their first rounders. We need the Colts to win, and I think they do. It's a kitchen sink game for them at 0-3. Carson Wentz has two fucking sprained ankles. Uh, I guess I'm picking against it. I, I've heard way too much Jacoby Brissett praise on a couple <laughs> podcasts. I've listened to like six football podcasts, and three of them would have made you think Jacoby Brissett played the worst game of football that anyone had ever seen, and three of them would make you would make you think that Jacoby Brissett is going to get like $40 million to start for an NFL team next year. So it seems like the Brissett opinions are all over the place. I'm of the opinion that he was mostly terrible in that game. So I think the Colts uh, – I don't think Carson Wentz has scored over 17 points his last eight starts. He turns it around. He scores 20. Colts win the game. Uh, uh, plus two and a half. Uh, I, I guess I'll go with the Colts. I really want to take the Browns, but I'll take the Colts. All right. Well, I'm down three right now uh, in the uh, in in the skydiving bet. So uh, I really need this one. I need you to 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 sh- to shit the bet on this one and, and me to actually come through and. I didn't do any research. I totally forgot about it before this podcast. So that's the podcast. Uh, Rate, review, subscribe. Listen to us on YouTube. And uh, we will be back on Monday, hopefully after an Eagles win.